Hey Life Ken, Roger here. I'm your pastor. So glad that you are joining us, whether you're a first-time listener or someone who listens all the time. Uh, I just want to remind you of a couple things before you listen to this podcast. One, this is always an opportunity to be generous with your finances uh, and to give to support the mission of the church, to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love and reclaim our identity in Jesus. Um, God is moving in so many different areas in accomplishing those visions uh, and what he wants to do here. And this is an opportunity to financially support what he is doing. So you can do that by heading over to our Life Church can website or our church center app either those are great places to give those are also places for you to fill out a connect card and that is going to be the best way for you to get plugged into this community so that it's not just a place you are but a place you belong so be sure to take advantage of that now if you've been listening past couple weeks you know we're in a brand new series called dual citizens where we've been talking about the kingdom of heaven and the empire this week we have a special treat we have a special guest miss marnie's roberts she's spoken for us a few times before she's wonderful so looking forward to hear her talk about preparation in the kingdom so give that a listen and i will catch up with you in just a minute I trust in God. Dear Jared, thank you. Hallelujah. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice. Are you going to rejoice with me? Y'all better act like it. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Praise God that he's God. Amen. Does, does anybody know the wedding song? You know, ready? Here. Y'all act like y'all know. Ready? Here comes the bride. Oh. Da, 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 da. Nobody knows the rest of the words. Nobody knows. You go to weddings all the time and you don't know the rest of the words. And that's okay. That's okay, because we just need the bride and groom to do what? Get down the aisle. Well, I love being married to Byron. Yes. Byron and I had been dating for five years, and we had talked about getting married, but he was in graduate school, and we decided to wait. He was showing me around campus at his graduation, and we were in the center of the campus, and there were a bunch of really tall buildings all around. And then we were also surrounded by a beautiful flower garden. But the buildings were pretty much at a distance. And he said, I come here because this is my place on the campus. Because it embodies three things, which he pointed to. And as he was talking, he said, beauty represented by the garden. Wisdom represented by the academic buildings, and faith represented by the church. Three things in one place, beauty, wisdom, and faith. All three things in one place, just as they are all represented in you. Y'all supposed to say, aw. So I was looking at each one of those things as he was talking, especially the church, and what did I do? I started asking questions. Oh, is, is that the building you, you took the business classes in? And, oh, and, and that one over there? 
that's a nice building. I really like how that structure goes and how the, the how the doors connect. They were the doors are a little different, but they're all kind of the same. And when did you say that those were built? I really wanted to be an architect. Then I started asking more questions. I said, "Is that where you went to Bible study and how?" And then I recognized that I hadn't heard not one answer back. I was waiting for the answer. And all I could hear were the birds chirping. So I turned around and Byron was not in my sight line. He's 6'2 and I'm not. And so he had just disappeared in like thin air. And I looked over and then I looked down and there he was down on one knee. And then the bells went off. I said, oh, are you? Are you? And yes, he was. To my surprise, he had a ring and he was asking me to be his bride. I was, had been preparing to hear that question for five years, y'all. Five years. And I almost missed it. I had been waiting and I was distracted for the proposal. But it had been a long distance relationship and we had talked about marriage before. but. I didn't know when it was going to happen. So I was excited to call my bridesmaids so they could be prepared. The Dual versus Dual Citizen series started last week. Two words pronounced the same, spelled different, and different definitions. Dual meaning two parts and dual meaning fight. Pastor Jared launched the series last week and he said, The Dual Citizen is about your identity in Christ and how you conduct ourselves or how we conduct ourselves as Christians. He also talked about Star Wars and the Empire Strikes Back. So you just really need to go back and listen to it. It's really, really good. And one of the comments he shared was, the dual citizen is one who remains attentive in the present in preparation for a better future. This stuck with me all week. So today I would like to talk about being prepared and not distracted. And I'll touch on the second part of our church vision, being the torch of Christ's justice and love as we live together in our community. You know, Jesus is coming and we don't know when. So we have to be prepared. Be prepared so you don't have to get prepared for the coming of our Savior. Amen. A dual citizen shows evidence of their preparedness. One sentence summed it up for me and it said, Readiness is an attitude, a commitment, and a lifestyle. What's your attitude? What's your commitment? And what's your lifestyle? Are you prepared or distracted? How do you prepare to leave your house in the morning? I'm guessing all of you, because y'all look so good and look so well put together, that you don't have any problems getting up four hours before you have to go to work. You spend two hours with the Lord. Then you have that Starbucks at home, tall, ice brown, sugar, oat milk, shaken espresso with a shot and three pumps. You have a fresh croissant on the side with strawberry jam, freshly sliced fruit. And then you sit out on your balcony. You watch the deer pounce through the backyard. And then you talk with family members about how well their day is going to be. 
Then you go back into the house and then you send a prayer text to 12 of your brothers and sisters in Christ from your small group. And you do all of this before seven o'clock. Amen. Is that you? Is that, well, let me tell you about me. I get up. I turn on the news. I boil two eggs. I run, jump in the shower. And then I get out and Byron prays for me. I grab my pretend Stanley aluminum cup because it ain't real. With yesterday's leftover water because it's still cold. It's still got some ice in it. And as Byron walks by to, to do a face call, devotion call with our son, Winston, who is in uh, New Jersey, I'm yelling, have you seen my black shoes? The black ones. No, oh, wait, I got them. I'm good. I'm good. I found them. Yes, I am distracted. It doesn't happen every morning, but it, it happens. Amen? Students and young adults, you probably already know that social media is reported to be one of the biggest distractions for students. The mobile phones, the constant notifications, the calls, the dings and messages when you're trying to work on your computer. Are you obsessed with how many followers you have versus the struggles of the followers of Jesus? How many likes did you get on that last post? It was about fill in the blank, whatever you did. Are you hiding your talents, getting overwhelmed and isolated from your family? Well, guess what? Parents are too. They're doing the same thing. And, and you know what I love to do? I love to observe interactions of people. I like people watching. I've seen parents interact with their screaming children while texting in one hand and never putting the phone down. I've watched students send parents tech, I mean, send parents text calls to the um, voicemail and laugh with their friends while they're doing it. I've watched people sitting at the same table in a restaurant and while eating, everyone has a device in their hand and nobody's talking to each other. The phone and technology is one of our major distractions. And the list goes on and on. So this week, Matthew 25 verses 1 through 13 is our scripture lesson. And before we read that, first let's look at the end of chapter 24 of Matthew. And in verse 36, Jesus says, However, no one knows when the day or the time will be. The Son and the angels in heaven don't know when it will be. Only the Father knows. And then going down to verse 42, it says, So always be ready. You don't know the day the Lord will come. Now this parable which is found is, is a part of what's called the Olivet Discourse. The, this discourse is also recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It is important to understand that Jesus' teaching in this parable is in reference to Israel and not the church. Christ is speaking of God's future program for Israel. This brings us to where we are today. Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. This is a parable in the story by, told by Jesus, and this one is called the parable of the ten bridesmaids, also referred to as the parable of the ten virgins. And it reads, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't have enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. 
Now, when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by a shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourself. But while they were gone to buy the oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must be keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Amen? Amen. So this, is, this story has so many different commentaries sermons, moral lessons, explanations, references, referrals, reflections, and also it talks about other things that I can't even go into. We only have 30 minutes. Amen? Amen. So we're not going to rush, but we're going to get done. All right? So I am encouraging you to explore this story and learn how the lesson can enlighten and teach and empower you to be awakened to something new, allowing you to move even closer toward pleasing God. You know, when we think about weddings, it's often about the ceremony, the flowers, the dress, the decorations, the food, and what did the cake look like? But what really ought to stand out, the most important thing ought to be the exchange of the vows the promises they made or we make to each other in front of God. You know, we used to live in Lansing and there was a billboard I used to pass by when I took the children to school. And it said, beautiful wedding. Invite me into the marriage. Love God. Marriage goes all the way back to Adam and Eve in Genesis. Their marriage was rooted in a covenant promise. The Bible shares that the act of getting married wasn't just about saying, I do. Today's parable begins with preparation and readiness for a biblical marriage. Let's explore more about the biblical culture. The marriage custom of that time amongst the Jews was an honored process. It was not a Vegas trip to the Elvis Chapel. It involved three things. Leaving. cleaving and becoming one flesh. And that wasn't a one-time command. It is echoed throughout the teachings of Jesus. Even the Apostle Paul included this covenant concept in his word in Ephesians 5. Let's look again at Matthew 25, verse 5. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. And then down to verse 7, it says, all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because the oil, our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. So, you know, somebody was distracted here. So let's talk about being distracted. So am I the 
only one in this room who leaves a room, goes into another room to get something. And then when I get to that room, I can't remember what I came into the room to get. Am I by myself? Y'all better raise your hand and act like, okay, thank you very much. Thank you very much. My distractions are distracting. So if we go down to verse 9, it says, but the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. And then 10 says, but while they were gone to buy the oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him into the marriage feast. And the door was locked. Now notice, all 10 were bridesmaids. Y'all supposed to say yes. All 10 of the bridesmaids had oil. All 10 of the bridesmaids fell asleep. All 10 of the bridesmaids woke up. And when they woke up, all 10 got ready. But the foolish bridesmaids were distracted and did not have enough oil. Then all 10 were together, but all 10 did not go into the celebration together. The five were called foolish because they did not prepare adequately. The five were not prepared adequately. They didn't ensure that They had everything they needed to get through the tough times ahead. Distractions will come. They will come up all throughout the day and night. They'll do it every day. Y'all going back and forth to those bedrooms. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But there is a duel for our attention. So what do we do? What can we replace the distractions with? We can do it by being committed to spiritual growth. Praying, studying, attending life journey classes, um, participating and building the church community by meeting new people, attending and volunteering projects to engage and support the church family activities. We can do more by personal engagement in social justice. Stop and um, and correct injustices toward racial and ethnic group problems. And then we can financially support our church. Invest in the vision to reclaim our identity in Christ Jesus and bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. As dual citizens, our preparation is for the kingdom of heaven. We need to be focused on the oil and not on the distractions of this world. But let's dig a little deeper. Let's consider four, uh, three, four questions. Three about the parable, and then you get a bonus. Amen? Y'all supposed to say that louder. Amen? Oh, man. I want to make sure y'all not sleep out there. Who's distracted? Question number one. What does the oil represent? The oil represents the Holy Spirit. B-Y-O-O. Bring your own oil. Amen. This is the Holy Spirit who flows through us to give us a fruitful life. All the bridesmaids had oil. The Hebrew word translated as oil, shimmy, literally means fat or grease. The word is also translated into fruitful, but figuratively, it means 
richness. Oil symbolizes wealth, abundance, health, energy, and a vital ingredient for the good life. As believers, we understand that it is essential, essential to have this ingredient, which is the Holy Spirit in our life. The five foolish, distracted bridesmaids didn't have enough oil, and they were told to go buy your own. We need the oil. It is crucial in having a deeper connection with God. Are you spending enough time with the Lord? Are you praying, studying his word and serving in his name and giving him the glory? Don't be distracted. B-Y-O-O. Bring your own oil. Question number two. Why were the unwise bridesmaids locked out? They needed to bring a key. Think of it this way. The unwelcome guests will not have a key. When you have a key, the right key, you are not locked out. The foolish bridesmaids were distracted and they didn't have a key. Jesus is the key. And an unwelcome guest is called an intruder. Now, imagine if an uninvited guest came to your wedding reception, to your celebration. That's when the duel might take place. I know what it's like to have an uninvited guest at your wedding reception. After I said yes to Byron and we were at our wedding, we enjoyed our wedding reception. But let me tell you what happened. At our wedding reception, there was a woman in a pink dress who kept walking around during the festivities. We got married on my mother's birthday. So we were talking and laughing and dancing and just celebrating a whole, whole lot. And while everyone was focused on the activities, the lady in the pink dress was grazing the buffet table. Now, it wouldn't be so bad with her grazing, but nobody else had eaten. The bride and groom had eaten. We hadn't prayed over the food, and she's just having a good time. So one of the hostess came up to me. Later on, and she said, who's the lady in the pink dress? And because Byron and I were distracted, we hadn't noticed. We were in a state of wedding bliss. We weren't paying attention. But later on, they told me some of the details of her behavior, and we just kind of laughed like, <laughs> we still didn't know who it was. But later, after watching the reception video, we saw her, and we asked each other, so is the lady in pink your relative? And we both answered no. And, you know, to this day, we have no idea who that lady in the pink was. We asked our mothers. They were like, we don't know. But, you know, isn't that just like Satan to show up and blend in with everybody else and to be a distraction of what's happening? Uninvited guests are not celebrated. They are distractions. And we want to identify with the wise, prepared bridesmaids who walked in and danced or danced into the celebration with the bridegroom. They had the key. Jesus is the key. Don't be distracted. B-Y-O and bring the key. Question number three. What does the parable tell us? Be prepared. This parable illustrated, we need dual citizens to be alert, 
We need dependable disciples who are living a life of readiness. We need us to prepare and, and get involved and to seek God at all times. Our faith is not an agenda item to check off. Our faith shapes our identity and our actions. It is the life of a dual citizen. And in Matthew's gospel, Jesus emphasizes the, important, uh, the importance of living in relationship with God. It is not the appearance, the lamps, or the attire that distinguishes the bridesmaids. It is their readiness. The wise bridesmaids had enough oil for the wedding whenever the bridegroom arrived. Wise Christians are filled with the Holy Spirit at all times even in difficult times. Readiness, according to Matthew, involves living the kingdom life described in the Sermon on the Mountain. Many people can exhibit God's virtues briefly. You can be a peacemaker for a day or show temporary. um, True readiness is revealed when the kingdom is delayed. Being content in conflict, abstaining from negative comments or bad behavior, loving angry Christians, and forgiving others. Yes, and you know, loving that, 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 that whole thing about loving angry Christians, that's when you have to go to that scripture that talks about seven times 70. How many times to forgive? Well, having unwavering faith when you just can't see it and showing loyalty to Jesus when you don't understand. It's also loving God when you don't think he's listening. When someone is complaining, invite them to pray. And then when difficulties come in your life and these changes are happening, just trust God. Being watchful means being prepared at all times, whether you are awake or sleeping. Consider the professionals like doctors, or soldiers, or parents. They sleep, but they are ready at a moment's notice. Likewise, trusting God allows us to sleep in peace and not fear. The bridesmaids understood the be prepared assignment. Their values are demonstrated by bringing not just the lamps. They had the extra oil. So we have to go the extra mile. We have to study his word. We have to teach it to others as well until we get tired. Now, everybody, I know you get tired, but trust in God because we can't say I'm tired of serving and I'm just not going to do it anymore. What we need to do is to change our mindset. Instead of saying, I'm not going to do it anymore, What we say is, God, what's next on your agenda? What do you want me to do? Because it is a privilege to serve our living Savior. You know, think about what was the last prayer you put up in desperation? Think about it. Did you trust God? Did you believe that he would handle it? The parable emphasizes faithful waiting and proper planning. So we need to. B-Y-O-O, bring the key and be prepared. Amen? Finally, the bonus question. 
How can we bear the lamp of Christ's justice and love? We need to eliminate the checkbox. It's February. I remind myself that Blue Month is not just a checkbox on the calendar. It is about what happened in our history and how it shapes our present. And faith is not a checkbox that you need to consider for your convenience. We need dual citizens who are alert to Christ and call out love and um, and, 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 and unity for our fellow Christians. We need dual citizens who are prepared to bear the torch of Christ's love and justice. It's so much more than a checkbox. It is a reminder that we all live daily with the consequences and the choices made by generations before us. So our vision now is to reclaim our identity in Christ and to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. Also to reflect on how our choices as dependable and dedicated disciples can change the future of the generations to come. Now acknowledge and we understand that there are distractions that we're going to go into. We know that's going to happen. We are not perfect, but our Father is. He wants love and justice across all cultures for all races. He wants all of his diligent disciples to celebrate together. Before we celebrate, we need to be honest and assess some of our choices and actions. How much time are we really spending with God? How are we using our talents? How are we spending our money? So are we wasteful or are we wise? Would Jesus recognize us as his followers based on the things that we do when nobody's watching? Will we be a light for Jesus throughout our community? We have to believe the foundation of our faith is that of the kingdom will come and God will set things right. He doesn't need our help. Jesus is in control. We are to prepare for God's reign. And as an earlier commentator said, readiness is an attitude, a commitment, and a lifestyle. We are to align our lives with his principles and remain steadfast in faithfulness. Philippians 2, verses 4 and 5 read, Don't look only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Remember, this is what helps us as the body of Christ to develop and to become equipped to stand for justice, oppose oppression, and extend love and compassionate compassion to all colors all races, all cultures, and other people. Amen? Amen. Now, I know that when you're watching the news or scanning your news feed or rendering the latest post in the next door that keeps tinging on me, um, or listening to family members or coworkers, it's easy to get caught up, especially getting caught up in our own thoughts. You know, maybe that's what happened to the bridesmaids, the unwise bridesmaids. They get, got distracted in their own thoughts, too. 
Don't get caught up or off guard about things you cannot control. Slow down and listen to the voice of Jesus. But you don't have to be silent. Some of us, and I said some of us, what did I just say? Some of us don't know what we don't know because we are not engaging or interacting enough with someone who doesn't look like us. Amen? You know, it's not just about color, but it's about the age. It's about the gender. It is about the culture. It is about people of different income and different political beliefs. The truth is just talking about doing good doesn't mean you have enough oil. So James 4, verses seven, verse 17 says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Amen? Serving God is a privilege. B-Y-O-O, bring the key, be prepared, and eliminate the checkbox. Family, are you prepared? Are you prepared to live as a dual citizen? As Pastor Jared said, one who remains attentive in the present while in preparation for a better future, that's a dual citizen. Once we come together as true believers, the enemy doesn't have to change when we BYOO, bring the key, and we are prepared. We're not just talking about changing the world. We are actually doing it. We are eliminating the checkbox. We're doing that because we are focused on our spiritual readiness, and that is Jesus, our living Savior. Amen. 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 So today I have one life work assignment for you. Just one. Give more time to God than you do to your distractions. Amen. Give more time to God than you do your distractions. And then I want you to remember, if you stay prepared, you don't have to get prepared. Amen. Amen. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that message. I hope that you were encouraged to set aside distractions in order to focus on Jesus, on following him and living up to the call that he has placed on our lives. Um, if you need any support, whether it's something you heard from that message or just something in general, I would encourage you to reach out. We want you to feel encouraged, supported, and feel like you have a community to lean on. So let us know in the connect card if there's anything you need, prayer, or any other kind of encouragement. We would love to reach out and support you. But I hope you have a wonderful week. I hope that this week you see the ways in which you can uh, follow Christ and be prepared for the kingdom and what he is going to do to use you in it. So have a blessed week, and we'll talk to you again real soon.